But this morning's um, passage comes from John, chapter 16, verse 5 to 16. You can find it on page 765 or 1084, or you can follow it on the screen. The work of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can't see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Well, friends, why don't we bow in prayer? Father, we want to thank you for your word. And we thank you for the illumination of your spirit who helps us to understand your word and apply it to our lives. So we pray now that uh, we would be attentive. Uh, we pray that uh, you would grant us humble and contrite hearts. And we pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is one which uh, is a, a source of uh, confusion and uh, sometimes even disunity uh, between Christians, uh, which is a strange, a strange thing when you think about it, isn't it? Because uh, we would expect that the Spirit of God would actually be uniting the people of God. But on the one hand, uh, there are some Christians who say of others that uh, others have ignored uh, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and uh, that this has led to a, uh, a dry, a formalised, uh, and even lifeless uh, faith. Whereas on the other hand, uh, there are those who claim that uh, some of the experiences of the Holy Spirit, which others uh, consider that they have, may not actually be experiences of the Spirit and may be able to be explained in some other way. Uh, both of which, of course, may be true. Uh, depending on the circumstances. But it can sometimes leave us feeling uh, just a little bit uh, confused about the Spirit and about his work uh, in our lives. Have you ever felt that way? Ever felt confused about the work of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes the problem is that uh, we uh, absorb our thinking of... The, uh, that, that our thinking of, about the Spirit is what we absorb from what others say uh, rather than uh, what the Bible itself says. In fact, uh, understanding the work of the Spirit 
um, is especially helpful when we consider it uh, in, the, uh, in terms of what Jesus says about the Spirit uh, to his disciples uh, in the context of his departure from them. Uh, and that is something which we're able to do today as we uh, look at John chapter 16, uh, verses 4 through to 15. Uh, Jesus has just announced to his disciples that he is about to leave them. Uh, the disciples were grieved to hear about this. But the departure of Jesus uh, would actually be for their benefit. Uh, let me read to you from verse 5 of uh, John 16, uh, where Jesus says to his disciples, Now I am going to him who sent me, and yet none of you asks me, Where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you, I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Uh, unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, why does Jesus say that the counsellor would only come uh, until uh, after Jesus had left them? That he wouldn't come if Jesus was still there. Why does he say that? Why is that the case? Well, it's certainly not the case that uh, somehow the uh, the Spirit and the Jesus, and Jesus cannot minister together uh, with one another, uh, certainly not. But rather, if we were to think back to uh, chapter 7, verse 39, Jesus noted there, uh, well, the, the, uh, John, uh, the author John uh, noted there, that the Holy Spirit would only come after Jesus had been glorified. Now, what does it mean for Jesus to be glorified? And when was Jesus glorified? Well, Jesus was glorified uh, when he died for sin, when he rose to life, and when he returned to the Father. You see, in the Old Testament, the promises of the coming of the Spirit are linked to the promise of the establishment of God's kingdom. Kingdom meaning when God rules over the lives of his people. But before God rules over us and dwells within us, what must happen? We must be forgiven. We must be reconciled to God by the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is why Jesus must depart from his disciples. Now, the other day, uh, Cassie asked me this question. She said, Scott, if you had a time machine, which point in history would you choose to return to? And uh, straight away, I said to her, well, I'd go back to, I'd go to Palestine in the first century uh, during the ministry of Jesus. And to which Cassie said to me, oh, I don't think that's such a good idea. <laughs> Smart girl. And as... We walked and talked. She helped me to see that um, if I was back there in the ministry of Jesus at that time, that place, I would probably, I would be one of the people in the crowd crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Now, it's actually better for us to live this side of the death, the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus 
and the coming of the Spirit. For what is the work of the Spirit? Well, here we get into the passage a little bit more. If you look at verse 8, where Jesus says that when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So what Jesus says here is that the work of the Spirit is to convict the world of guilt in regards to three things. What are those three things? Firstly, he will convict the world in regard to sin because, as Jesus says, uh, men do not believe in me. Uh, What does he mean by that? Why do people reject Jesus? Well, people reject Jesus because they actually don't think that they're sinful and therefore they don't need a saviour. That's why they don't believe in Jesus. Uh, Secondly, the Spirit will convict men in regard, says Jesus, to righteousness because, he says... I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. What does he mean by that? Why does him going to the Father, how do, how, in what sense does that mean that the Spirit would convict men of righteousness? Sometimes we can think that we are good enough for God. And uh, <clears throat> compared to some others, we might seem pretty good, especially in our own minds. But what if Jesus was standing next to you? How would you rate yourself then? As the embodiment of God's righteousness, Jesus exposed the false righteousness of others, of those who considered themselves to be good enough for God. And we've seen that throughout his ministry in John's Gospel as he exposed the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. But soon Jesus would be gone. And so how would we know what true righteousness is? How would we see the falseness of our own pretensions to righteousness? Thirdly, the Spirit will convict men in regards to judgment. For in verse 11, the prince of this world now stands condemned. Many people don't believe in judgment. Um, They think that judgment, well, that's just a a myth uh, uh, devised by the church in order to control behaviour, just an idle threat. But the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the evidence that judgment is real. Because on the cross, Jesus bore our judgment upon himself. And by his resurrection, uh, he is seen to have defeated Satan. Satan who had that hold over us. So that by his death and resurrection, we see that it is Satan who now stands condemned. And so the work of the Spirit is to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness and judgment. But what does it mean to convict? Well, in uh, law courts, uh, it means that a person is proven 
and declared to be guilty. And that's certainly a big part of what Jesus means here, but it doesn't quite capture the, um, uh, the full extent of the meaning of the original. Uh, in the original word here, it's the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24, uh, where uh, Paul talks about an unbeliever uh, coming into a church gathering and uh, hearing the word of God being spoken and becoming convinced in themselves that they are a sinner in need of a saviour. And so that is the sense here. It's more than just declaring a person's guilt, proving their guilt, but it's a matter of them actually becoming convinced themselves of their sinfulness and their need for a saviour. A friend of mine uh, was a middle-aged man, uh, in his 40s, he'd been enjoying a very successful career as a, an officer in the uh, Royal Australian Navy. Um, he was a non-Christian. And uh, one of his friends invited him to come along to church one Sunday. And, uh, well, he was a you know, person who considered himself to be fairly good, and so he decided, yes, that's the thing that good people do, and they, he went along to church. And afterwards, he said that he thought it was absolutely dreadful. It was a, an appalling sermon about sin and judgment and about Jesus. He said it made, him, it made him angry as he left church. And so he went back the next week. And he said it wasn't any better. A very rude preacher ranting on about sin and judgment and Jesus. How he, dare he say those things about me? And went back the next week. And the week after, the week after that, and as God by his spirit stripped away his pride and his arrogance and exposed his need for a saviour and drew him to Jesus. Uh, he went on spending the rest of his life telling others about Jesus. And similar experiences of countless men and women around the world and throughout the ages could be told. For this is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of God's Spirit is to take these gospel truths and to impress them upon our hearts. And, and well, it's, it's, it's a bit like having a heart transplant. Uh, just as uh, the Old Testament promised in the Ezekiel, where God promised that I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. That is the Old Testament expectation of the age of the spirit. And friends, this is the work of the spirit in the world. To take cold, rebellious, spiritually dead hearts and replace them so that people are changed, becoming humble, honest about sin, and finding forgiveness in Jesus. But in verses 12 through to 15, the Spirit would also be at work in the disciples. Uh, let me read those verses for you. Verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So picture here the scene. Uh, Jesus is with the 11 disciples. They have just shared the Passover meal with one another and Judas has just stepped into the night to bring about the ultimate Passover. And there's a lot more which uh, Jesus could teach his disciples. But this is a difficult moment for them. And at this point, it would simply be too much for them to be able to process. More than you could bear, says Jesus. And so that work of uh, continuing uh, the teaching to the disciples would be done by the Spirit. The Spirit, he says, will guide the disciples into all truth taking what belongs to the Father and the Son and making it known to them. And if you have a look at verse 14, uh, why will he do this? The Spirit will do this in order to bring glory to Jesus. That is why. And so here in these verses, uh, there, is, there is great cohesion between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's actually very Trinitarian, isn't it? And there's this great cohesion, there's this great unity in terms of the, um, the, the goal, the plan, the purpose, the message. But what is the message? What is the truth into which the disciples would be guided by the Spirit? And what does it mean in verse 13 that the Spirit will tell them about the things to come? Did you notice that? He will tell them about the things to come. What does that mean? Well, uh, when we think about it from where we stand, when we think about the things that are to come in God's plan for the world, uh, we think about it from, from our perspective, don't we? From where we stand in history. And so we might think, for example, uh, the things to come uh, referring to the, the second coming of Jesus. And indeed, that is true. But for the disciples... It would mean the things which were still in the future for them. Indeed, in the very near future for them. Now, the Spirit would not come until after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, which would happen in the days ahead for them, but it is by the Spirit that they would come to understand these things, uh, that they would come to understand the gospel um, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. So the Spirit helps us to understand, helps the disciples to understand what it is that God has done. The Gospel. For what is it that God has freely given us? It is salvation through the blood and the resurrection of Jesus. The spirit of truth 
would lead the disciples into all the truth about the one who is the way, the truth and the life. I have a dear friend who uh, always wants to tell me about the new things that the Holy Spirit is doing in her church. And I love her dearly. I remember once after listening to her at um, considerable length, sharing with me all of this stuff that the Holy Spirit is now doing, the new stuff that he's doing in her church. And I said to her at the end, of, I said, I've listened to you now for you know, 15 minutes or so. And in everything you've said, you've mentioned nothing about the gospel. You've mentioned nothing about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. You've never mentioned nothing about people putting their faith in him. <laughs> and she said to me, oh, of course, that's all assumed knowledge. But there's this new stuff which the Spirit is doing in our church. And it's so exciting. I love her dearly. Friends, all of God's promises find their fulfilment in Jesus. That is the truth to which the Spirit points us. There is no new work of the Spirit which is independent of the Gospel. There is no new work of the Spirit which is independent of what God the Father and God the Son have been doing. And indeed such new works actually shift us away from the Gospel. Rather, the Spirit uh, would, uh, as we saw a couple of weeks ago for the disciples, would remind them of all of the things which Jesus has taught them. And not only that, he would enable the disciples to understand the gospel and understand its implications for the world and indeed for us. I mean, think about it. Without the Spirit, would John have been capable of writing this gospel that we're reading through? Would he have been capable of doing that? Without the Spirit, would the Apostle Peter have been able to stand up on the day of Pentecost and boldly and clearly and accurately and passionately preach the gospel of Jesus? No. Friends, the Holy Spirit works through the truths of the gospel to change human hearts with the purpose of glorifying Jesus. So, should we be preaching the gospel of the Holy Spirit? No. Because by the Spirit, what we proclaim as a church and as individuals is the gospel of Jesus. For it is by that gospel that people are saved. For the Spirit points not to himself, but the Spirit points to the Son. To Jesus. And what this means is that we uh, can share the gospel with great confidence. Now, sometimes you and I may be tempted to lose heart in our evangelism. I know I do, and I suspect that that's true of you as well, because sometimes we can think of the per that person who we love, that person who we care for, and we can think they could never become a Christian <laughs> because they're so apathetic to the things of God. They're so proud, they're so stubborn, they're so, it would take an absolute miracle. And you know what? 
That would be right. Every time. It always takes a miracle. Which is why God sent the Spirit, who miraculously convicts even the hardest of hearts, even your heart, even mine. He convicts our hearts of our need for a saviour and he draws all kinds of people to Jesus. I'm reminded of that wonderful hymn. Uh, God is speaking, says the hymn, by his spirit, speaking to the hearts of men in the age-long word expounding God's own message now and then. That is the work of the Spirit, and it's a work which should lead us to prayer, asking God by his Spirit to change the minds and the hearts of those we know that they too would trust in Christ. Why don't we pray that now? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have not left us alone in this world. That uh, following the departure of Jesus, that, uh, you, uh, that your spirit has come into our world and indeed into our lives. As our advocate, as our counsellor, the one who stands beside us, the one who dwells within us, the one who speaks for us, and the one who changes people's hearts. Father, we pray that for uh, that your uh, great work of your spirit to be working in the minds and the hearts, uh, not only of us, but of those whom we love, that he would be drawing many people to the Lord Jesus. We pray, Father, that in confidence, therefore, that we would boldly proclaim the gospel in all of its truth, knowing that it is your word used by your spirit to create your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.